You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today, the business at hand is the business of innovation, both personal and organizational. And innovation can oftentimes make the difference between success and failure, surviving versus thriving. Today, we'll talk about the role of innovation, both personally and corporately, and I'm very pleased to have as my guest, George E.L. Barbie, professor, lecturer, faculty member at the University of Virginia Darden Business School. George will be sharing insight about innovation with a focus on his book, 63 Innovation Nuggets for Aspiring Innovators. George has had a successful career in business for over 45 years, and he's founded three successful companies. He's traveled to over 40 countries on various projects and has played a leadership role in promoting innovation at Fortune 100 companies, including Gillette, GE, Pepsi, IBM, and PricewaterhouseCoopers. Welcome to the Business Hour, George. Thank you, Ron. It's good to be here. Before we get into some of the specific nuggets, and you can explain why you refer to nuggets, we'll uh, talk about your book itself and how it is that you came to recognize that innovation plays or can play a significant role in advancing a business or an individual and that it was worthy of focusing your attention for all these years enough to lecture and to write a book about. In the course of focusing on innovation, did you also consider, uh, by the way, using creativity or or invention as opposed to innovation? And can you tell us how you distinguish between these three related uh, concepts? Well, there are a couple of really good questions there. I, I think what I'd start by saying what, it, what inspired me uh, near the end of my career here to uh, write about uh, innovation was I had observed along the way but became increasingly uh, inspired by the fact that most of us are far more creative and innovative than we give ourselves credit for. We tend to put ourselves down. We often don't have a common definition as to what is really innovative. And I think uh, without that benchmark, uh, we might say, well, hey, if Steve Jobs was an invention genius, what about me? And what about the rest of us? And that doesn't leave a lot of room to feel good because he was really exceptional. So all this coming together the last several years and teaching and mentoring uh, uh, younger people in business, I started to think this is worth getting down and writing, and hence I wrote the book. And I had been teaching uh, MBA students for 15 years and executives, and I realized that there was a common thread here, that uh, people are not as self-congratulating, if we say, about their 
creative and innovative spirit. And in fact, I had observed that it was teachable and learnable, both self-learning as well as uh, in other more formal environments. So that's what uh, got me uh, stirred up. The, The second part of your question is, is also very good because there is something in a word and the the difference of fine-tuning between being creative, being inventive, as in the Steve Jobs sort of invention, and being innovative. There are some shades of difference, at least in my experience. And uh, to quickly summarize, I think being creative is really doing anything fresh and different and new. It could be art. It could be cooking. It could be also in a business environment. But uh, that would lead me to the second, which is invention. And for me, invention conjures up a product, a thing which is new and different and has some dimension to it that uh, fills some need. But it tends to be more of a product, an inventing a product, maybe even something you can get a patent for. And innovation really combines those. The way I like to think of innovation is it's something with a meaningful difference and that you can charge more money for. And that's the business side of me coming out. Uh, There's nothing wrong with being creative. In fact, that can often inspire innovation. But to me, the dimension that innovation adds, it doesn't have to be a product. It can be a service. It can be anything that adds a dimension to something that people are willing to pay for. So that's how I've taken it up to 30,000 feet and said, ah, innovation innovation nuggets uh, that look back over my career and the many learnings I had with other mentors and books that I'd read along the way. And so I tried to digest that into into the nuggets, as you uh, cited. And, of course, you chose nuggets, I would imagine, because you're you're offering uh, 63 separate uh, gems, so to speak, of hopefully insightful information. What, what I liked about the concept of a nugget is that, <clears throat> if you think back to prospecting days, you, you, could, you could get a nugget in, or two, and you would not be very wealthy. But when you got a collection of them, a little bag of them, uh, and they might all be different sizes, they might be uh, uh, different shapes, but in a combination, they could lead to great wealth. And so that's uh, my use of the analogy of, of prospecting around for things that are meaningful to you. Uh, they may be more meaningful to one person, one nugget, <clears throat> more meaningful than another. But what is interesting, as one kind of bounces around the book, is it doesn't have to be read front to back. It lends itself to you're arranging them in some order that is meaningful to you. And so that's another dimension of the concept of nuggets. And uh, tell us about why um, 63 uh, is significant. 
Well, I have to laugh at myself when I got the 63. The first time I had sat down for the better part of a year to get this down, I ended up with 140, and my editor said, no way is anybody going to digest all that. So I started winnowing them down, and I, my goal was to get to 52, one a week. But, uh, I, you know, it went to, like, 123, 76, you know, 67, and... Finally, I got it to 63, and I said, "I'm not going any fewer." I, I, I just, you know, we're cutting, we're cutting into metal. So I have uh, uh, ended up with the number 63 because that's as far down as I could cut. <laughs> well, um, you've also divided uh, the book into uh, larger sections. Uh, you've got uh, innovation strategies, uh, innovate, or rather, innovative strategies innovative observations, organizational effectiveness, and personal strategies, uh, as well as a an epilogue, how to ensure a winning innovation, and then some information about yourself. But let's touch on a personal strategy, which I think, in some sense, may be part of the foundation for helping an individual to become innovative for themselves and also for any organization. I think that when you focus on your own personal potential for innovation, you are better equipped to, in turn, help an organization. But you have a section under personal strategies you start off with, investing in yourself. Tell us about investing in yourself. Well, I think that each of us is quite different the way we've proceeded through our career or even starting our career. Uh, the one thing that we do have in our uniqueness is what I like to do, what I am uh, enjoy doing, and then also a, a cross-grid to that is what I'm good at. And most of us spend a good part of our career trying to figure that out and fine-tune it. But what... Um, what I like to think of is the process of doing that, uh, constantly uh, thinking about yourself into the future. What what will I be liking to do? What am I liking to do now in the present? And imagining what it is in the future. And then along the way, we find those things that we're good at, and we find those things, frankly, that we're not good at. And part of the fun of a career is to uh, lessen those things that you're not good at and bring people around you who like to do those things and uh, tell them that uh, so that uh, they realize that they're uh, uh, you know filling filling out the voids but what what I've also found in this concept of investing in yourself is that we might most of us work for somebody I mean there are very few one person businesses, usually even in an entrepreneurial situation, you've gathered people around you or outside people that you might uh, contract. And of course, in large organizations. And it may be that your current job is not ideal. So part of investing in yourself is continue the thinking that I was just saying, what is it I like to do? And what is it I'm good at? And do some tests on the outside. Confirm or deny that. 
as you're going along. Maybe it's what you do Tuesday nights or uh, Thursday morning when you get up early or Saturdays. Right. Continue to test. George, we're going to be taking a break. We'll come back. We can pick up uh, a little bit more on uh, investing in oneself and and also we'll touch on stretching yourself. We're here with George Barbie. We're talking about innovation. We'll be back with George to talk more about personal and corporate uh, innovation right after this break. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Buzz off with Lawyer Liz. Join me each week, Wednesdays at 2 o'clock, as we talk drones, Internet of Things, and technology. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with George Barbie of the University of Georgia Darden Business School and also the author of 63 Innovation Nuggets for Aspiring Innovators. And we've been talking about innovation in general. We've been talking about personal strategies for investing in yourself so that you can be more innovative. And we're going to be talking about ways to apply innovation within an organizational context uh, and specifically in a corporate uh, business context because George has had lots and lots of experience with many successful companies helping them to be individually and collectively uh, help the uh, management be more innovative and before the break, we were talking about investing in oneself. Uh, George, did you have any follow-up comment on that before we move on to what I think is also extremely critical, and that is stretching yourself uh, simply because I think it's it's so important to, uh, to go beyond our comfort zones. So any comments uh, to follow up on investing in oneself? 
I think where I'd leave it, uh, Ron, is investing in yourself should be fun. It should be your own self-actualization. It's doing what feels come comes naturally to you and a way from the investment side and the innovation side of turning that into something that could become income-producing. You know, George, I might add at this point, I, I don't think I said this to you in any of our previous conversations, but... I really think that your book offers uh, not just nuggets, not just gems of of information that can be extremely valuable, uh, but you offer somewhat of a roadmap, uh, somewhat of a a how-to book, uh, and investing in yourself would certainly be one of those elements on, on the roadmap. But overall, you're offering some highly uh, insightful perspectives on innovation and then some examples. You know, the book is set up with uh, the, the, the concept, in this case, uh, investing in yourself, and it also includes uh, anecdotes. And we can't get into all the anecdotes, but every chapter has some anecdote, which is a very real, practical perspective uh Drawing upon your experience so that people have an idea of how they uh, how they can invest themselves and why they might invest in themselves. Let's uh, let's move on to something which I think goes uh, obviously hand in hand, and and that is stretching yourself uh, beyond one's comfort zone. Tell us about this, George. Well, most of us, I think tend to retreat into our comfort zone. We do what's familiar. And what's uh, intended here is to be very purposeful about knowing where you are and knowing where your comfort is, and then to find ways of stretching yourself beyond that. And uh, sometimes an analogy is easier to grab hold of. I was skiing not too too many years ago with uh, one of my sons and we were out in Colorado and we'd come upon this uh, rather steep chute and I looked down at it and I said I don't think so and I looked over at my son and we were skiing with a couple of his friends and they went down this and totally went around the turn and disappeared and it was what I call yikes that it was totally uh, scary. He took off. He couldn't think anymore about it. He took off, and he went down. I did not. I went back. I took the easy way down. When I got down to the bottom, you could see the confidence on his face that he had gotten himself out of his comfort zone. He used the help of a friend to do that in this particular instance. But when we go to our yikes zone, when we start to push ourselves a bit beyond what's comfortable, that is probably where our greatest learning takes place. So the same is true in innovation. When we're thinking about what's, what to do today or what to do this next week or month or this next year, is to find ways of testing yourself. Work with a friend. <laughs> and consciously and purposely stretch yourself beyond what's comfortable because that is a zone where your greatest 
learning will take place. That's well, Ge- what's intended there. George, I have to um, add to that uh, that anecdote uh, one of my personal uh, own experiences, and it also took place on the slopes in Colorado at a place uh, in Vail where I was way above my head, literally and figuratively. I was at the top of the mountain. I had no business being there. I was with a friend who, for some reason, thought I would be capable of skiing uh, down uh, these kinds of uh, slopes. And I was uh, almost angry and said, uh, go ahead. I'll figure out a way to catch up. And what I did, essentially, was look down and determine that that could be a place where I'll crash, that could be a place where I'll crash, that could be a place where I'll crash, to try to have some idea of where I could come to a stop and change direction. And I basically did just that. But by pushing myself, by stretching myself, I really was able to experience uh, the next level of what you get when you ski, which in my opinion is very often a balance between terror and exhilaration and that was the lesson for me was that I could push the limits uh, and uh, in some sense uh, experience the joys of uh, skiing down um, a mountain in ways that I had never uh, before and quite honestly never have since but uh, but it did push me to uh, be somewhat of a better skier it, that's a, a great build on that it, it, it caused me to think about another nugget in there is uh, imagining and uh, this is another way to get yourself to a a different state a a future state and often when we get stuck in something if we say imagine if and those are fairly magical words uh, it can get us unstuck and I'm thinking uh, of an example here uh, this does allow us to think differently about ourselves or in a group even. And the story that comes to my mind is when I was a Pricewaterhouse partner, uh, we were talking about uh, at a meeting, you know, the fact that we were very client-centered, and yet when everybody went around the table, they introduced themselves from the city they were in or, hey, I'm an audit guy or a tax guy or a consulting guy. A woman, and what was really interesting, it occurred to me. I said, "Well, what if we introduced ourselves today? And imagine if we introduced ourselves by the clients that we work on." And there was a silence around the table because what that got us all thinking about it. And it led to quite an uh, extensive discussion of, "Well, hey, if we really are client-centered." why don't we introduce ourselves by the clients we serve as opposed to something that's very internal, <laughs> which is where I, you know, am based or where I am, uh, uh, you know, serving in terms of uh, the function of the, of the organization. And it, it's amazing to me those two words, imagine if, how that can get you into a future state and it opens up options and possibilities. So that's another way of stretching yourself. If we, if we can't be on a ski slope, how is it that we can do it mentally? Well, and, and that's just yet another example that you've offered uh, that is highly practical, and in this case, a, a real example, a real anecdote of uh, 
of doing things in a different way. Now, I have to also say that one of my favorite sections is the section that's number 59 on your list. It's uh, entitled Making Bedside Notes, and it points out how taking notes in the middle of the night can actually help us to have uh, a better night's sleep as well as to cultivate innovative thinking. So tell us a little bit about that, George. Well, sometimes uh, an interesting nugget, as we said at the beginning, it might be just a little morsel, it might be a little something different, but if we ask ourselves, have I ever uh, wakened in the middle of the night with a great idea? And the answer is probably 100% of us have done that. If we ask ourselves also, could I remember it the next day, uh, probably it gets to be more like 10 or 20%, and if we look at the pattern of that, it it might be we've all lost great ideas that came to us in the middle of the night. And that's because when we're thinking about something or problem solving, our brain doesn't always sleep. It goes and it's unconfined, and it will often do things that we don't do when we're awake. So to take advantage of that, one of the nuggets here is when you get an idea in the middle of the night, write it down. Have a pad and paper. Or today's version is uh, have your uh, uh, smartphone with you and put it down. You touch the phone, it'll light up. You put a nugget in uh, for yourself, uh, this idea. And what's amazing is how easy it is to then go back to sleep. Because a lot of times we stay awake trying to remember this so we don't forget it. And so, A, you'll capture an idea. Usually it's quite fresh. It may, in some parts, be absurd when you look at it the next day, but if you retrace how you got to it, it's usually uh, quite unusual. So better sleep and keeping innovative ideas to the forefront, uh, it's uh, so let your brain do its thing while while you are sleeping. That's a, that's a fun one. You know, and it's you know, also one that doesn't sound that dramatic, but when you start practicing it, it really can make a difference. There's no question about it, and I actually uh, want to comment on that. Uh, right after we take a break, uh, I have my own personal uh, take on uh, bedside notes. But we'll take a break. We're here with George Barbie. We've been talking about innovation. We've been talking about his book, 63 Nougats for aspiring innovators, and we'll be back for more insight about innovating with George right after this break. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, 
only on America's web radio. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. You're listening to the Business Hour, and we're here with George Barbie, and we've been talking about innovation. Uh, We've been focusing on his book, 63 Nuggets for Aspiring Innovators. And just before we get back on track with George, I want to mention that a previous guest, Bob Litwin, former national champion tennis player at several different age levels, who has been a coach to both athletes and major corporations on improving their performance, has written a book. It's entitled Live, the Best Story of Your Life, A World Champion's Guide to Lasting Change. And really, it's an adjunct to what we've been talking about because Bob is helping people to become the best version of themselves. And George's book is helping people to learn to think out of the box, to be more innovative for personal benefit and also for the benefit of uh, a company or another organization. And I see them as related and you can get Bob Litwin's book on uh, Amazon.com, but I thought I would mention it because it was just released. Now, turning back to George Barbie, before the break, we were talking about making bedside notes, a very simple solution, in my opinion, to capturing some of those thoughts that, as George pointed out, were sometimes the result of being in a sleep state that allows your mind to to virtually wander and many of our listeners know that I'm a marketing guy that I am a creative director writer guy and I will wake up I have for many many years awakened in the middle of the night and I have an idea and if I don't write it down it oftentimes gets lost some of those ideas are good some of those ideas are bad some of them are absurd but many of them have turned into actual words that I incorporate in the titles, in the names of products, in the approach that we take to a given creative strategy uh, for uh, execution on a uh, a marketing, uh, a larger marketing concept. And so it's been very valuable to me. So I, I agree with George. Keep that pad and pencil or pen or digital device, whatever form is helpful to you to write down that word or that phrase or to write out a lengthy sentence if necessary, but take advantage of your mind's ability to do some problem solving and to actually be a little more creative often while you're at sleep. Now, George, 
Let's segue to um, number 61, the innovative rainmaker, which is certainly something that all of the business people that are listening would be interested in. And for that matter, anyone who's an aspiring uh, entrepreneur and not yet really uh, someone who is put in a position of being a rainmaker on behalf of their own organization. Tell us a little bit about uh, that section, number 61, on innovative rainmaker. Well, one of the interesting things I found is that not everybody knows what the rainmaker term means. In in general, in a professional organization, it's that person which is out with the customer that is bringing in business. And they may not deliver all that business, but they are in charge of that relationship, and they're usually working at a fairly high level. But in a law firm or consulting firm or uh, any professional service firm, that person is uh, generally bringing in the business. Um, what, what I found is that most rainmakers are very convincing people. And if you ask yourself, am I convincing or how convincing am I, that is a really good pro- self-provocative question. And if the answer is not very convincing, then one has to really work at that. And how does one become convincing is really not just showing up and we like, you know, show up and throw up. You just don't talk. You have to listen and you have to be able to get into the skin of the person you're with and understand where they're coming from. So, uh, a rainmaker then is often not just a good talker, but a good listener and a good evaluator. And one of the remarkable things we have a little drill in in the book about you know to sort of gauge yourself uh, in terms of where you are and where a, a really good rainmaker would be. But generally, one of the characteristics that most people miss, most people think that a rainmaker has to be an extroverted, extremely outgoing person. And in fact, many very successful rainmakers are introverts. They might understand something technically, but they're very good at interpreting that technical aspect, and they they become then a bridge for a business person or another person to understand that. And that person often engenders trust because they're not just talking at their client, they are listening, and they become a bridge to better understanding, or they become a provocateur. They ask good, thought-provoking, penetrating questions, and that gets uh, the person on the other side of that thinking differently. And most often, uh, a client or a customer really doesn't have exactly in mind even what the need is, they, they are often looking to better refine that. So that's a, a one glance at a rainmaker and how convincing are we becomes, uh, you know, integrated to that. You know, I'm with you 100% on that, George. I have found that some of the, uh, the most effective rainmakers have been uh, relatively mild-mannered, low-profile individuals who had keen insights that were derived from being 
um, a good observer and you happen to have a chapter on observing as an art so let's talk a little bit about uh, that section because I think it's yet another uh, nugget on the uh, roadmap to to becoming uh, more innovative tell us about observing as an art it's actually one of my favorites. I'm not supposed to play favorites among the 63, but I, I think this is a good starting point because it is something that each of us can do. But to do it properly and to do it effectively, one really has to take time out. You have to put yourself on total receive mode, and by receive mode, it's probably initially by yourself, it's not just listening, but it might be looking, it might be smelling, feeling, all of our senses and the sort of gestalt being able to take something in and not necessarily with a purpose in mind, just standing on a street corner uh, for 10 or 15 minutes and then this is what I'm going to say, is taking notes. What is it to observe? And the power of observation is uh, enhanced to the extent you take notes. It's very, very important to stay in the moment and to stay uh, present, which is very difficult to do. (laughs) We have phones ringing. We have texts arriving. There's always something that's causing us to double or triple tasks. So... uh, while this is terribly important and it's terribly doable, it is also difficult, and it is something that gets better with practice. And uh, for that reason, I think uh, uh, it's there. It's, if you will, somewhat obvious, but it's also something we don't do. And if you get doing this and it's fun, then I still tease myself, what's my observation of the day? What is the insight that I didn't have before, but because I took the time out to observe, I, uh, I'm i going to be a better, more innovative person as a result of it. Well, I could see why this would be a favorite of yours um, in large measure, because I think, I personally agree, um, it's at the foundation of being innovative, is taking note of what's happening all around us. And as you mentioned in the section on uh, taking notes uh, in the middle of the night, uh, even in the middle of the day, while you're making these observations, uh, 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 something uh, that I'm going to repeat here, and that is a simple word, a simple phrase, to remind you of what it is you were observing and to jog your memory, as well as that simple word or phrase related to your perspective on what you're observing. You know, if you have a thought about what you're hearing, seeing, or experiencing, uh, put that one word or phrase down to jog your memory and see if you can't uh, leverage uh, those observations uh, later. Uh, hand that's in that's hand. terrific. And, and I would just add to that, uh, as you start doing this yourself, it's like using a muscle, and the more you work it, the better it gets, and the stronger you get at it. But it's also fun to compare notes. Find a like-minded friend and, and you know, say, well, what did you observe today? And you can increase your circle uh, of doing that 
so that you might eventually be adding more diverse friends. They might be business friends. And what did you observe today? And this gets very, very rich when you start doing this as a practice for yourself, but also when you start comparing notes with others. It can be a lot of fun. I, I can't agree more. Hand-in-hand hand with observing as an art, in your uh, number 22 nugget, you talk about adjusting attitude, and you say that by acting the part uh, and practicing, you can learn to have a ongoing positive attitude and that we can actually cultivate an authentic positive attitude based upon what otherwise was an act but that that act can help turn into that positive attitude which becomes more conducive to innovative thinking. Tell us a little bit about adjusting attitude, George. Well, if we ask ourselves candidly, do we wake up every day feeling terrific and positive and ready to go? And very few of us, I'd say none of us, can say we do that every day. And many of us actually uh, wake up quite the opposite because we're all carrying a heavy load and if you listen to the news or whatever it's it, you know there's a lot going on out there that can weigh you down uh i i think we can learn something from the really great actors who get themselves into a mindset and they can do it purposely and you know they when they cry they're crying real tears and uh smiling and laughter uh, you can get yourself into a mode and a mood that uh, allows for that to happen, and you start to see the more positive aspects, and you start to shed those things which are negative to you know pull you down. And this is a very contagious atmosphere. Soon it becomes you, and uh, people respond positively to that. I'm not sure I've ever seen a... Uh, sustainable, innovative environment that doesn't have people smiling or laughing or cutting up or being absurd and uh, allowing for it sometimes almost childlike behavior, but not to go to an extreme, but generally it's positive. And that's not to say that once you're into an idea or you're trying to refine it that you don't enumerate the positives as well as the negative. I'm right. saying that. Right, but George, it's, it's and I can't the agree. daily mode and atmosphere that you create around. I can't agree with you more. We're going to be taking a break here, George. When we come back, we'll touch uh, a little bit again on adjusting attitude, but also we'll talk about transferring innovation. We're here with George Barbie. We've been talking about his book, 63 Innovation Nuggets for Aspiring Innovators. We'll talk more with George right after this break. Buzz off with Lawyer Liz. Join me each week, Wednesdays at 2 o'clock, as we talk drones, Internet of Things, and technology. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy 
or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is Dr. George from Peach Street ENT Center. We've won patient care awards and have the highest patient recommendations because we believe in practicing medicine the old-fashioned way. Practicing good medicine is based in listening to the patient and making a care plan that is individual. The best medical care is given when there is a strong doctor-patient relationship built on mutual trust and respect. At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. Whether you have problems hearing, have frequent throat or sinus infections, from the time you call our office and speak to a real person, you'll be treated as an individual and not as an ailment. During your visit, you will not be rushed and all your questions will be answered. When possible, natural treatments will be recommended to fix the problem. If surgery is recommended, cost-effective, minimally invasive treatment for snoring, sleep apnea, or sinus problems will be offered because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with George Barbie, and we've been talking about innovation, both personally and organizationally. And we've been focusing on his book, 63 Innovation Nuggets for Aspiring Innovators. And I might add that that book is available uh, at Amazon and also, you could go to www.innovationnuggets.com and, and learn more about uh, what George Barbie is doing uh, beyond his book. Maybe he'll learn a little bit about what he does as a faculty member at the University of Virginia Darden Business School, where they're grooming uh, business leaders to think out of the box. And George is playing a very pivotal role in that. Now, back to the book, uh, we were talking about adjusting attitude and hand-in-hand. Um, let's talk a little bit about transferring uh, that innovation, uh, and then I want to talk about accessing the organization up and down. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, that section, number 23, on transferring innovation. I guess the starting point there is maybe a question, Ron, is, you know, is every invention or innovation or creative piece absolutely new and original? And the answer is seldom, I think. Uh, we're inspired uh, by someone or something, or we seek out a best practice. There is often something in another category or another place that strikes you, and the art of transferring that into your situation or your, if you're uh, innovating in a certain category, often some of the answers come from very strange places. Or I found in working in 40 countries, often there were ideas going on in other countries that were ahead of the U.S. And uh, so there's nothing uh, particularly local. Um, and confining, as a matter of fact, the, the more broad one looks, the more likely it is you're find, going to find something. And, and I, I'll give you a quick example, and then maybe we touch on it. You walk into a Ritz hotel, they tend to escort you. They accompany you to, if you want to know where the fitness room is or the pool. 
I had a situation that required me to go to the hardware store in McLean, Virginia, of all places. I was working with one of my sons, and I walked in. We were trying to do remortar some steps, and I was greeted by <clears throat> somebody in the store, and they said, well, what's the issue? And as they were escorting me back to the uh, mortar and <clears throat> paint section where the solution lied, they interviewed me or talked to me on the way. So what I thought, at least that's what struck me, is that Hotel Ritz-Carlton accompanying people, that was the key word, here I go into a hardware store and they found that to be a very key part of their differentiation. And I didn't care if I paid a little bit more. I got the solution. So that's a good example for me of transferring innovation. Well, that's a great example. George, I want to touch on on your section number 26, respecting the absurd idea, because to some extent this is another core concept. Seemingly some ideas are truly absurd, but if you respect the absurd idea, it might take you to a very good place. Tell us about respecting the absurd idea. Most of us have been uh, shut down somewhere between earlier life or just yesterday. <laughs> well, that's an absurd idea. And, and it really wasn't intention, in, intentional to be an absurd idea. It had the seed of something. So if we turn that around and we hear an absurd idea, there's sort of two ways we can respond to that. One is, that's a stupid idea, and just dismiss it. Or you recognize that it's far out, it frees up other ideas, you find some element as to complement it, like, well, I'm sure you wouldn't have thought about that or said that unless so-and-so, that's got me thinking, and then maybe write it down, let it be recognized. And I think what that does, it not only encourages very innovative and creative ideas to come up, but it also changes the atmosphere and the tone uh, to be accepting of the new and different. And that's a very, very important aspect of leadership, to be able to receive the out-of-the-box absurd ideas and find a way to deal with them. It's a great way to practice being open to what is seemingly absurd. And that simple gesture of writing down the absurd idea gives it a little bit of legitimacy. Uh, And, again, that practice is one that will help you to keep your mind open. Uh, George, there's a, a, an area that I, I, I believe you've uh, practiced uh, much of on your own uh, in your quest to help uh, major corporations uh, improve their performance uh, and to be innovative. It's, it's entitled uh, Accessing the Organization Up and Down and uh, how success from below uh, can be success at the top. So tell us a little bit about that. One of the things that uh, it's easy to forget is uh, the top leadership of any organization, particularly one that's a traded, uh, stock-traded organization, but it's true of even an entrepreneurial small organization. The top people know they have to grow the company. They have not had a lot of success, you could look at it holistically, in acquisitions. Most acquisitions do not come up to the expectation. So that leaves only one thing, and that's internal innovation. And once 
one starts to realize that the top people need to have innovative ideas bubble up, then uh, that starts to set up a, a process where you can access them knowing that that's their issue. Similarly, in the middle, uh, you don't need to wait for just the great ideas to come down from on top. Often they don't come from on top. They come from the middle because the middle of the organization is often uh, the he's and the she's, the men and women who are out with the customer, with the client. And that's where, if you start to look at the future of where that client is going, you can bring back to the organization new and fresh needs, which in turn help the organization pivot to better fill those. And that's where the accessing up and down, the top leadership needs and wants to hear those things and reset the organization to be able to do them. And the middle of the organization, leading from the middle, if you will, uh, allows those of us in the middle to shape and hear where the organization wants to go. So often these lines up and down are informal. Today's technology allows for email and exchange. And it's a very fresh way of looking at an organization versus the traditional uh, you know, organization box where only you just talk to your immediate leadership. I, I think that's uh, ever so important along with a, a, a lot of the other perspectives on uh, being innovative personally, uh, working with an organization to help them uh, cultivate essentially a culture of innovation uh, accessing in that way is uh, is very very key, uh, George. I, I want to throw in here a quote uh, from Arthur C. Clarke, the highly respected science fiction writer, who once said that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And I always took that to mean that when you make these leaps uh, technologically uh, through innovation, that it is seemingly magical uh, because it is not always the same kind of linear uh, evolution of an idea, but rather it's that quantum leap that is uh, uh, somewhat magical. And, And he goes on in his book, Profiles of the Future, an inquiry into the limits of the possible, where he talks about uh, failure of imagination and failure of nerve. And I, in hearing him lecture on one occasion, uh, heard him talk about how very often people are not inclined to allow themselves to imagine. And we have been talking about imagining uh, in the course of this program and what you've done, again, is create a roadmap that helps people learn to imagine better and to innovate better. And then when Arthur C. Clarke talks about failure of nerve, it would seem to me that people are willing to imagine but not take what they're imagining that one step further into an actual applied innovation, if you will. And that is yet another perspective that you help people with is learning to go beyond that uh, failure of nerve to have the nerve to to innovate. So I want to thank you for writing a book that is highly insightful about innovation that helps people with very specific lessons, if you will, on how to be more innovative. So, George, I want to thank you for that, and I want to thank you for being a guest on the Business Hour today. 
It's been great being here, Ron. And as I say, most of us are far more innovative than we've given ourselves credit for, and there are ways to uh, help bring that about. Well, there's so much more that we didn't touch on. We're just going to have to have you back, George. But again, thank you. And you've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. We're on from 10 to 11 a.m. on Fridays. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on the Internet and on the radio next week. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.